0: well good morning um i want to encourage you to come back this evening we have our singing and song service uh, our prayer service um, tonight where we will lead various prayers Uh, we'll go through and we'll name people by name that are are wanting prayers and we'll also have time to sing songs of praise to god and songs of uh, prayer to god and so i want to encourage you to come back this evening uh, we also will be singing one a new song that I'll be teaching tonight. A great song, uh, "Surround Us, O Lord," comes straight from Scripture. Uh, I always love those songs. It's out of Psalm 125, and we'll have a devotional on that song so that way we fully understand the words that we're singing and really the request we're making about God being our protector. Um, great, beautiful song. So uh, very easy to learn too as well and so uh, please come back this evening for that uh, and we will be able to have a a great evening together also want to thank everybody who was involved in helping feed uh, the west blockton football team our feeding is the reason they won uh friday night so i'm just (laughs) Just kidding. They played a great game, but uh, really thankful, and I hope to be able to have more opportunities like that so more people can help and and get into service, um, and that way they can, again, can see all of our beautiful faces um, and be encouraged that there are uh, Christians out there trying to support them and help them. Um, But again, I want to say thank you for that. We're going through our, our series on Judges Uh, And we are nearing the end of that series. I'll be done, I promise, by uh, November, and we'll start a a different series uh, about eating because as we get into November, we're going to also be thinking a lot about eating. And so we'll have a series called Feast, um, and we'll be talking about different ways as Christians we can feast on uh, different things. And so uh, as we go through this series on Judges, we're going to be in Judges 16 verses 23 through 31 this morning. So if you want to go ahead and flip in your Bibles to that section of text, uh, and mainly that section of text is Samson's death, right? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Now, uh, when you think of strong men, how many of you have ever seen like world's strongest men? When I was younger, I was all about some world's strongest men. I wanted to be one of those world's strongest men. problem was I just did not have the gifted strength That they did, and when you start to look up these athletes, they are humongous, right? Oftentimes, I was looked at as a humongous guy, but these guys are, make me look small. You have guys that they average like 6'5", 350 pounds, okay? Huge. Some guys are 6'8", 400 plus pounds, and when you think of, those are strong guys. These are modern-day Goliaths, modern-day Giants. And what's crazy is you start looking through their records on how much they can lift, how much they can do. And if you ever watch this, you know they have crazy events where they're pulling airplanes behind them, commercial jets, right? And they're, they're lifting cars and they're doing all of these different things. But one of the craziest, uh, I guess, records you could say was by a man named Eddie Hall. He's not that old. Uh, he's actually in the modern era of World's Strongest Men, but he did a deadlift in competition, and he was able to lift 1,102 pounds from the floor. Now, if you don't know what a deadlift is, all it is is a bar that has weights on the end, and you have to pick it up, right? So guys, when our wife asks us to move that 20-pound box, right, we all do this. We go over there, we bend down, we pick it up, and we all go, oh, right? Don't lie like you don't. We all make that noise. Now imagine the noise you're going to make trying to lift up 1,102 pounds, right? And so you have these crazy strong men that we find in today's age that are able to do these crazy things like this. And when we start to think about strong men in the Bible, and I kind of gave it away, uh, we sometimes will think of David maybe, right? Right? even though he seems really small. And for some reason, we picture a little boy beating Goliath, or maybe we think of Goliath as another strong man, right? Uh, but the strong man we're going to talk about this morning is Samson. And what we're going to learn from Samson is what he does in a moment of weakness and how we can make those moments of weakness the strongest moments in our life. How we can take those moments of weakness in our life and turn them into strong moments. And so I want us to go through the text this morning, uh, and I want us to gain some context before we get there. Okay, so last week we talked about Samson's birth. He was this Nazarite, this child dedicated to God. He was not to be around the fruit of the vine right, he wasn't around to be, uh, uh, supposed to be around dead corpses, and also he was never to have a razor to come upon his head, he was to grow his hair, that was a part of this Nazarite vow, someone who was consecrated or dedicated to the Lord, right, and because he was dedicated to the Lord, he was a part of this Nazarite vow, he was also selected to be the deliverer, the judge of Israel, right, And, and if you've been uh, with us in this series, what was happening in the book of Judges is the people were to be going in and conquering Canaan, right? The promised land, they were, the d- the 12 tribes were going into their different territories and they were supposed to take care of the people in those territories. Well, sadly, they didn't quite accomplish that. And so you have all these people in these territories that are not of God's people. They, were, they had false religions. Right? Their culture was not what God would want uh, his people having as a culture. And so we have this moment where uh, we find this cycle throughout the book of Judges where the people of God would turn from God. They would do evil in his sight. And so God would allow there to be an oppressor in their life. In this case, we're going to find the Philistines being the oppressors of the Jewish people. And then eventually the people would cry out, God, we, we're sorry for what we did. Uh, we repent. We, we want to come back to you. And so God would send a deliverer, and we call them judges. And these deliverers or these judges would come into the life of the people, and they would save them from these oppressors, and they would be faithful while that judge was alive, and then they would die, and the cycle would start again. Right? They would leave God again. They would do evil in his sight And the cycle would continue. Well, this is no different. The people had left God, and they were under the oppression of the Philistine people. And so God raised up from a child, actually, uh, a deliverer named Samson, somebody to be dedicated to him. Now, Samson, from the very get-go, as he came into adulthood, seemed to have had a a troubled uh, personality, right? Uh, He was really attracted to women, And he went and found him a Philistine wife. Um, They went through the marriage ceremony and everything. And uh, he was tricked into giving an answer uh, that the people wanted. Because, again, the Philistines didn't like the Israelites. The Israelites didn't like the Philistines. And so uh, they gave him the, uh, he gave away the answer. Uh, Eventually he gets mad and kills the 30 men. Um, He goes off and Finds out uh, that these people were bad people. He gets three hundred foxes and ties them tail to tail, puts a torch in between them, and has everything burned. Right, crazy guy. And then he kills a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. Right, this is a, a really strong guy. And so uh, we have this deliver, and he's starting to do this delivering, this this warrior type. Uh, help for God's people. And then at the beginning of chapter 16 you may be familiar with this lesson we learn about Delilah, right? Now Delilah was not a good person. Pretty name, and you, you don't like when you have pretty names like that that are just muddied in scripture because of what she did and how she tricked uh, Samson into uh, finding out what where the source of his strength was. Right. And so we have this time where uh, he finds this pretty lady named Delilah and uh, he's caught in attraction to her. And um, she's been sent by the Philistines to try and find out why is he so strong? How is he able to do all of these things? And so she's questioning him and he says, well, I'll tell you. If you were to take some fresh new bowstrings that have never been dried and you were to bind me with them, I would lose all my strength. Okay? By night, that happens. He's bound, and then the Philistines come in, and he says, Boop! Oh, look, that doesn't bind me. And he kills all those people, right? And then what happens is she gets mad and she says, uh, You mocked me. That wasn't very nice. You better tell me what it is. And he goes, Okay, I'll tell you, right? New ropes. That's what will get me. If you bind me with new ropes that have never been used before, that will take away my strength. Again, she binds him with those ropes. She says, hey, he's bound. His strength should be taken away. Philistine men come in. Ropes don't bind him, right? He breaks free of those. She gets mad again. The cycle continues. And finally, he says, hey, if you braid my hair and you pin it, that'll take away my strength. Now notice he's getting a little closer to the source now, right? And so she braids his hair again. He messes up a lot of Philistines because of that. You think after a while he would catch on that, hey, this lady is bad news, guys. If you find ladies that are bad news, go away, right? And so He does not go away from her, and then finally he gives in, and if you read the text, it says that he was just so annoyed with her, he told her what the reason was, right? She kept uh, uh, nagging at him and nagging at him, he finally just said, okay, here it is. I've never had my hair cut. If my hair gets cut, I lose all my strength. Bad idea. So she shaves his head. And what happens? The Philistines come in, and they actually take him, right? And they enslave him. And that brings us to where we are today. And, and now, this is in chapter 16. He's a prisoner of the Philistine people, right? And so, read along with me as we go through this. Now, the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. They said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. I want to stop right there. Was it Dagon that really gave? Samson into their hands. No, it was Samson being a Dumbo, right, and, and hanging out with this woman and not leaving when he knew he should leave, right. And it wasn't Dagon, their god, and and so it's just you, you see how uh, you start reading through this, and you can ask yourself a question: Was it really Dagon, or was it just Samson's sin? And then you read in verse 24, when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. Look at this reputation that Samson had built among the people of uh, the Philistines. And when their hearts were merry, uh, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between pillars, and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Now I want you to notice what Samson's reputation had come to. He was known as the ravager of the Philistine country, right? He was a feared guy, really scared of this very strong man. Now what was he? He was simply their entertainment, right? He had become this great, scary, fearful person, but now by the end of this, in front of 3,000 men and women, the elites of the Philistine people He had become simply just their entertainer, who they mocked, who they made fun of, who they uh, were able to laugh at and to just be entertained by. Now, uh, think about how low of a life. We were talking this morning in our men's breakfast, right, about when we were young men and how much weight we could lift and how strong we all used to be. And then I heard some of our older men, who will be left unnamed, that when you get way older, that strength seems to disappear and go where you're not strong anymore, right? And, and you kind of feel a little bit less like your youthful self where you could go underneath a bench press rack and, and lift 200 pounds really easily, right? And you feel a little bit down because, boy, I was something back in the day. Think about what Samson's feeling right now. I used to be something. I could take a, a jawbone from a donkey and kill a thousand people, right? I could catch 300 foxes and light torches and let them go burn stuff down. And now I'm simply the entertainment for these just people that I don't like. Right? Think about what's going, think about the low point he has reached in his life. Move on with me in verses 28 through 31. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's, upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those who were killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. He was the ravager of the Philistines for 20 years. He was this great, mighty judge, deliverer of the Israelite people from the Philistines. But he was then became this entertainment piece right someone they could mock at now what I want you to notice is what he does in this lowest moment of his life what does he do who does he turn to turns to God he goes to God in prayer God help me please help me remember me strengthen me let me take care of these people who have hurt me goes to God in prayer in one of his lowest moments of his life, probably the lowest. Uh, We call that rock bottom, right? He had hit it. This was it, to become entertainment, to be without your eyes, right? And now he's praying to God, God, help me take care of these people. Avenge me, God, help me. You know, you start looking at Scripture and you start realizing there's a lot of people that do that. When they're at their lowest moments in their life, we find them going to God. Think about David, and I've used this before because it's a powerful illustration. Think about David when Nathan just said, hey, the consequence for your sin with Bathsheba was you're going to lose your son. That's a pretty low moment, right? And what does he spend time doing? Praying. He spends time focused on God, and then his son passes away. Does he give up at that point? No, he says, well, I better live for God because I know where he's going and I know where I want to be, right? And so he focuses on God. He turns to God. In one of his lowest moments in his life, he focuses on God. If you want to read through the Psalms, you'll find some of those Psalms that say a Psalm of David while he's fleeing Absalom. Pretty low moment when your son's chasing after you, trying to kill you, right? But what does he do? Praise to God. He starts praying to God in his lowest moments in his life. He knows where he can find strength. You think about Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, how in the world did Jesus ever have rock bottom moments? Or well, Read Mark 14. It seems pretty low at that moment in his life, right? He's got three friends with him that can't stay awake, even though he's saying, hey, please stay awake while I go pray. And he goes off to pray and he comes back and they're sleeping, right? Not only are his friends letting him down, but in his human mind, God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die. He knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to die. He knows all of his friends are about to uh, deny him. I think that's a pretty low moment, right? But what does he spend time doing? Praying, going to God in prayer, focusing on him, knowing, hey, God, I don't want to do this, but I know I need to do your will. But also there's Paul, right? Right? Paul on the road to Damascus in his conversion in Acts chapter 9, he's blinded uh, by this glorious light from Jesus who is asking him, why are you persecuting me, right? You have this ravager of the Christian people, Paul, going around killing Christians, uh, breaking up church services, all of this is going on, and all of a sudden, this guy who is so feared is now sitting in a home for three days, blind. Think about his lowest moments. And what we often say is that he's spending that time praying. Where does he turn to? And in some of his lowest moments in his life, you find Paul praying. You find Paul in prison in Acts 16. What is he doing? Singing praises to God, right? In his lowest moments, you find God or Paul going to prayer to God. And so I want to leave us with this morning with three or two encouraging statements. And this is number one. When you are at your weakest, God can be at his strongest in your life. When you are at that lowest point in your life, you can let God be his strongest in your life. Look at Samson. When he was humbled to the point of he's at his most rock bottom moment in his life, he knew I needed to rely on God. And you know what's sad, and I, and I don't mean this to be rude It takes a lot of us to get to rock bottom before we finally look up, doesn't it, right? I like to teach the offensive linemen to put people on their backs. Well, when we get on our backs in our life, that's the first time we've actually looked up sometimes, right? And I hate that it gets us to that point because some of those rock bottom moments are terrible. It may be the loss of a spouse. It may be the loss of a child. It may be your own diagnosis that you've gotten back, and that's the point in our life where we can say, Okay, God, I'm sorry. But maybe that's what it takes, is to be humbled that way. And I pray that your rock bottom moment doesn't go that bad. But if it does, please know there is a God who is waiting to be strong for you. Know that there is a God who says, I want to be there for you. I want to give you peace. I want to help you uh, in your anxious moments. I want to do all of these things. But a lot of times it takes us being weak to let him be strong. You also have this encouraging statement. I hope that you'll find this to be encouraging. When you're at your strongest, rely on God's strength more. When you are on a mountaintop moment in your life, you're at the peak, make sure you still know that there's someone above you, right? And that's God. Because a lot of us are doing pretty well in our lives, right? Uh, We get to live in America. That's number one. Isn't that awesome? We get to eat eight meals a day if we want to. We get to let food rot in our refrigerators, right? We get to take leftovers home. How awesome is that? I should take more leftovers home, but how great is that? We are living in a mountaintop moment when you look at society, right? And maybe in your life, you find that, hey, your bank account never dwindles to where you start to have to worry. You've got all your vehicles running. Your house doesn't have any cracks or repairs that need to be made. Remember... You may be that high in your life, but always remember God's higher, right? Rely on him. Focus on him. Don't let how strong you are in your life keep you from understanding how, God, how strong God is. Keep relying on God. Keep focusing on him. Keep using his strength to carry you through each and every day. And maybe you are at your strongest moment in your life, and you're doing that very thing. And that's helping you become stronger and stronger. Well, keep letting that happen. And here's four tips for us as we leave today. Just encourage us to let God be that strength, right? Where do you turn when you are at rock bottom? Where do you turn when you are at rock bottom? Number one, turn to God in prayer. We see that throughout the Bible with Samson, with Paul, with Jesus, with David, with multiple other people. When they hit rock bottom, they turn to God in prayer. Make sure you have a great prayer life. You know what time you're doing it, what you're going to be praying about, who you're going to be praying about, things in your life you're going to be praying about, and you're going to do it at this time. You're going to write it down, and you're going to check on it week after week. That was answered, that was answered, that was answered. God, thank you for answering all those prayers. Turn to God in prayer when you find yourself in a low moment in your life. Next, turn to God in his word. You know, you can actually read God's own words by reading Scripture, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's His Word. We get to hear Him give us answers through His Word. And whenever we find a struggle in our life, I can guarantee you there's a book for it. There's a verse for it. There's a passage for it. If you find yourself struggling and you find yourself at rock bottom, I'm telling you, you can read about somebody in the Bible who's probably been at that moment. And you can say, ooh, I need help. I need to turn to that person. And maybe it is dealing with uh, the loss of a child. Read about David and how he handled it. Right? Read about God and how he handled it. Right? God's own son died. Right? And we can look in the Bible and find those answers and find comfort and find strength when we find ourselves being weak. Turn to God through his people. Maybe we don't use this as much. But who's sometimes the best source uh, of encouragement and strength? It's people, right? Now, sometimes it's not, but I want to focus on the positive. God's people can be such a great, reliable source of strength when we find ourselves being weak. Now, and I want to be an encouragement to you to do this. If you like to be encouraged a certain way, tell us, people, how you like to be encouraged. Because for me, honestly, I don't know. Um, I may be the guy who's just going to talk through it all and you may say I just don't need any talking right now I need just somebody to sit there I can do that too But I don't want to come into this situation where it's like, hey, I want to help you through this I want to keep talking all of a sudden you're thinking just be quiet and sit with me So help us out help us be god's people that we need to be and and god's people Be the people that uh, people need help Uh, If you need them to be quiet, bring a box of tissues with you. Uh, Be an encouragement every morning. Send texts to people, uh, letting them know they, they should have a great day. I can remember when Heather and I were dating, I used to send her text messages every morning, right? Encouraging her, telling her nice things, right? Oftentimes she was up way earlier than I was, but we should still do that for God's people, right? Encourage one another. Help one another. Send them daily reminders of how much you love them and God loves them, right? And then turn to God through your service. One of the best ways or best pieces of advice is people give those who are going through grief is to help others, right? It's to go around and find service and see how you can involve yourselves in somebody else's life that's going through a tough time. Because by you helping others, you realize that it actually brightens your life Uh, that you're able actually to find strength when you're able to give strength to others because all the while you're relying on God's strength to get you through that and it helps us realize I need him uh, more than I know I can rely on myself and so I want to encourage you to do that to try and help people when you're at rock bottom find somebody else that needs help maybe you know somebody in your life that also is at rock bottom just send them an encouraging text Say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Can I make you a cake, right? Now, uh, can I make you a meal? Can I come over and sit with you? Can I bring you a bag of candy? Can I write you a card? Can I send you texts daily? Can I encourage you with a lesson? Can I do this? Can I do that? Find somebody to help. Now, when you ask and you say, hey, can I do those things? Make sure we do those things, right? Hey, I want to bring you a meal. Don't wait three weeks later and go, oops, I forgot to take that person a meal right? Just do it right then that day. I know we're all busy, but see if we can help people and serve them in whichever way we can. That way, uh, we can help our focus turn from being in that low moment to being strengthened. And all the while, we've relied on God throughout the entire process. Remember, our strongest moments can come when we're at our weakest, because when we're at our weakest, that's sometimes the, the best times we let God be at his strongest. I want to encourage you because I know there's a lot of us that, that aren't really going through that low moment in our life, and there are some here that I know are. If you're at some, some pretty strong moments in your life, let God be stronger, right? Just keep relying on him. Keep using him as your source of strength. I hope you found an encouragement uh, through this lesson this morning about Samson and what he went through and how low of a point in his life he came But also, I hope you found the lesson that he relied on God even at his lowest moments. And I hope we will, too. If you're here this morning and you found that you need some encouragement in your life, maybe you're at a low moment and you would like to have prayers this morning said on your behalf, we would love to do that. Uh, I would just ask that you come down and you'd let me know and we'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're ready to become a child of God. You're ready to put Christ on in baptism and be added to uh, his kingdom. We would love for that t- morning to be this morning. If you have a need, please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation. Just as I am.